reading, <clears throat> excuse me, from the complete Jewish Bible, Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 73, through chapter 8, verse 12. So the Kohanim, the living, the gatekeepers, the singers, some of the people, the temple servants, and all of Israel lived in their towns. When the seventh month arrived, after the people of Israel had resettled in their towns, all the people gathered with one accord in the open space in front of the water gate and asked Ezra, the Torah teacher, to bring the scroll of the Torah of Moshe, which Adonai had commanded Israel. Ezra the Konin brought the Torah before the assembly, which consisted of men, women, and all children old enough to understand. It was the first day of the seventh month. Facing the open space in front of the water gate, he read from it to the men, the women, and the children who could understand from early morning until noon. And all the people listened attentively to the scroll of the Torah. Ezra, the Torah teacher, stood on a wood platform, which had been made for this purpose. Beside him on his right stood Matea, Shema, Ananya, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Mashiach, which while on the left were Benaiah, Mikael, Micaiah, Hasham, Hashabana, Zakara, and Mesum, Mesulam. Ezra opened the scroll where all the people could see him because he was higher than all of the people. When he opened it, all of the people rose to their feet. Ezra blessed Adonai, the great God, for all, and all of the people answered, Amen, Amen, as they lifted up their hands, bowed their heads, and fell prostrate before Adonai on their faces to the ground. The Leavim, Yeshua, Benin, Sheriavah, Yamin, Akuv, Shabbati, Hodiah, Mashiach, Kilata, Azurah, Yozavah, Haman, and Pala explained the Torah to the people, while the people remained in their places. They read clearly from the scroll in the Torah of God, translated it, and enabled them to understand the sense of what was being read. Nehemiah, the Tershatah, Ezra, the Konin and Torah teacher, the living who taught the people and said to all the people, Today is consecrated to Adonai your God. Don't be mournful, don't weep. For all the people had been weeping 
when they had heard the words of the Torah. Then he said to them, Go, eat rich food, drink sweet drinks, and send portions to those who can't provide for themselves, for today is concentrated to our Lord. Don't be sad, because the joy of Adonai is your strength. In this way, the Levim quieted the people as they said, Be quiet, for today is holy. Don't be sad. Then the people went off to eat, drink, and send portions and to celebrate because they had understood the words that had been proclaimed to them. Thank you, Paula. Well done as you were um, enjoying your... um, Trying to think of the uh, the right phraseology here, it just kind of escaped me. Um, you know, when you go through a uh, uh, a roller derby of some kind, you're trying to avoid all kinds of obstacles. Um, anyways, um, the names are very significant, as you may have heard from time to time. Each of them. Uh, biblically have a uh, a meaning and the names in scripture typically give us a sense of a person's destination. Um, So it's not so much like our names that Ma and Pa see uh, something on TV and they say, oh yeah, we'll name our kid this. Um, It's it's significantly different, but... um, Anyways, uh, today is both Hanukkah and uh, we have celebrated Thanksgiving week and um, I trust that you are here because you want to worship the Lord and if you are um, a shopper that you have uh, survived Black Sunday uh, because this is uh, joyful Shabbat, um, a time for us to celebrate the goodness of God, and uh, we're continuing series in Nehemiah, and uh, we're not going to be spending much time in Hanukkah, we'll do that uh, tomorrow, uh, but today is the beginning of a Hanukkah of sorts, uh, Hanukkah in the sense of rededication of the wall, unlike Hanukkah itself, that is rededication of God's house. And um, this is a uh, series of three messages. And at the end of the message is when we'll actually see the dedication of the wall. So it's kind of backwards, but that's because I learned to read from right to left. Um, This is really part of a a group of chapters that deal with renewal of the covenant between God and Israel. And so it, first of all, begins with the fact that people need to know what the covenant is about, what the word of God is about. And so we, that's where we'll park today. And then next Shabbat, we'll look at chapter 9, which addresses a time for reflection and a time for uh, repentance 
You know, when you get the word of God, you understand what God is saying. Often what needs to happen is you look and you hear and you say, Lord, I really blew it. Um, I was out in China when you called me to be here in Denver. And um, so, and, and then the following Shabbat, the, the third Shabbat, then we will look at the actual celebration. So that's kind of the flow of where we'll be heading. So I want to pause for a minute and uh, ask for the Lord's favor to come upon us as we listen, not so much to these uh, lips of clay, as it were, but rather to, to what God is saying. Lord, we bless your name and we thank you for your presence in our life for your presence in our congregational mishpacha. Lord, we have just been blessed um, the last few weeks and months, Lord God, to have a very powerful, very vivid sense of your presence with us. We thank you for that, Lord, because that's what life is about. And so we pray, Lord God, that today, as we look into your word, Lord God, that each one of us would hear what you want us to hear. And that together, Lord God, we would band together and commit, Lord God, to doing the work of your kingdom, to building your house, Lord, the, the wall, as it were, together, that you would receive the honor and the glory. And we ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen. We've been talking about the building of the wall from time to time, and uh, Ken, can I have just... And sometimes it's, you know, it's really hard to make the connection between the building of the wall 2,500 years ago, Nehemiah's time, and what does it look like today? I mean, you know, uh, last week I, I brought the silly trowel and a sword just to, to give you a visual picture of what that could look like. But the truth is, we have a hard time making a connection, understanding what does God's wall, what does God's building need to look like? You know, we come every Shabbat, we sing, we dance, we worship, we have the Torah service, um, and we fellowship, and then we have a number of functions beyond um, services, but what does building God's building look like? And from my perspective, over a number of years, I've gotten to understand something about what God has been doing because it's first of all His work. Amen? You're not sure? And secondly, how we fit, how we belong in that. And so I just wanted to give you one example of how God's building has is being built. And there are many others. Um, you know, it's always easy to look and see areas in the wall that are low and weak and need building and strengthening. But part of sanity saver for us is every so often to stand back and say, Lord, you're awesome. Uh, you're doing good work. And here is the fruit of it. So I wanted to read to you something that came from Journey, Journey Gordon, um, who is 
who has been in the hospital diagnosed with lupus, has been struggling, still not out of the woods physically and financially, but here's what she said. I thank God for you and for the congregation. I've been blessed by God, uh, by God, by being here. God keeps showing me He loves me. He is with me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. I see the Lord working in my life, especially during this trial. Did you hear that? Especially during this trial. My birthday was the best birthday I had ever had, despite being in the hospital. The Lord healed me and saved me from dialysis from my birthday. I've seen God's mercy, favor, and goodness in my life. God has sent me the congregation and total strangers to pray for me, encourage me, and show me the love of, of Yeshua HaMashiach. I've received financial blessings. I know God will provide. I'm praying and believing that all the government assistance will be approved. I appreciate all the prayers, phone calls, texts, emails, and visits. The love the congregation has shown me, especially since I haven't attended Yeshua Tzion long and I've been absent, has brought me to tears. I feel the Lord's embrace and hear His voice through the actions of the congregation. I'm so blessed and can't thank the Lord enough. God is truly awesome. I'm eager and can't wait to attend Bible study, Shabbat, etc. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? Let's give the Lord. You heard earlier about the outreach that we are planning to participate with the project of Miracle of Israel. And this for me is the building of a wall. We've been praying that God would raise up people who are committed to engage in the work of outreach. In other words, not just be self-focused, inwardly focused, but to look beyond, like Yeshua said, look out. Uh, the fields are white and are prepared for harvest. That's a faith statement, folks. We can either embrace it or else we can see all the nuttiness out there and say, rah, 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 which is true. But the Lord is greater. The Lord is greater, and that's where we want to park, and that's where our focus needs to be. So I'm seeing that beginning to develop. And yes, there are other areas, and Floyd, I'm going to pick on you for just a minute. Um, Floyd and uh, Dee and Sharon are some of the faithful folks who come and who help set up so that we have services. But folks, you can have a part in this. We, you can have a part. Uh, I dare say you need to have a part to come early and help set up and then after the service um, to make the sacrifice to stay here, not just when the chairs are put away, but also when the vacuuming needs to be done and things need to be put away. Um, Floyd and Linda and some others are here 
long, long after the service is dismissed. So you can have an opportunity to serve the kingdom because this is God's house and, and it's God's sanctuary and, and our commitment is to serve him. And I can go on and on, but the truth is we are convinced, let me say this again, we're convinced that he who has begun a good work will complete it. Yeshua Tzion is the Lord's baby and we're going to trust him for a miracle for everything that needs to be done to be done. I saw a wonderful quote that really blessed my socks off. To never ask God for a miracle can leave the impression he can't do one. How insulted he must feel. You know, our vision, our grasp of who God is, yay big sometimes. And we miss the basic fact that he is almighty God, that he is infinite in his ability to do, to work powerfully. And we have been seeing that as we've been going through Nehemiah, how that initially Nehemiah faces a project that is undoable. And by the way, if you have a vision from God, a basic test that it is a vision from God is that it's undoable. Because if, it's, if you find it to be doable, then you can just go on your merry way and do it and ignore the Lord and then say, Lord, would you come and bless, you know, put a little sprinkle grace and favor here. But if you have a vision that is undoable in your mind, then it's quite likely from God. Because then you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if it's going to get done, it has to be God. We saw that with Nehemiah. He spends, it took uh, 52 days to build the wall. He spent four months praying and seeking God. Do you, do you get the message here? Prayer in this can-do kind of a person who is aggressive and uh, active Prayer for him was job one. Not just in the very beginning, but also as he goes along. And we, for some silly reason, we have the notion that, um, that there is a dichotomy between the two. That if we are prayerful people, then we're going to sit in heavenly cloud and do nothing that's earthly practical. And if, on the other hand, we feel that we're practical people, then prayer is really off screen for us. Really doesn't need to be the case. The wall is finished. And here you have something that's very unusual. Um, the people gather together as one. And by the way, for a Jewish community to come together as one is already a miracle. You know, God is working big time. But, but what really grabbed me was the fact that these people come to Ezra and they say, Yo, Ezra, come read to us. I, I found it fascinating. Um, 
I wish that all of our people would have that kind of hunger for the word of God. People come to Ezra and ask him to come and read. This didn't come from the top, from Ezra or Nehemiah. It came from the people who then, if I understand correctly the the chain of action here, that they came then to uh, their rulers who then came to Ezra and asked them to read. Why? Because they evidently had a very deep hunger and because of that, they come together. Again, anytime you see God working in a major way, where you see God rolling up his sleeves and getting to work, one symptom, one clear example that God is working is the fact that people come together. Because all the silliness, all the bickering, all the foolishness, all the things that divide us just drop away and we are motivated to come together with a larger purpose. You see that, for example, in the book of Acts, that the people came together on Shavuot, the day of Pentecost, and they assembled. And you read scripture, you look at all the different examples of when God moves powerfully, for example, through, through Gideon, through Saul, through others, you see clearly that somehow what happens, part of the picture is that people are drawn together. They have a hunger for the word of God. And what is special about that is that we can either have a sense of, you know, what I would call the Frank Sinatra routine, I did it my way. <laughs> you know, where we figure, yeah, you know, I've, I've got smarts, I can figure out things out. Or you have a basic understanding that it has to be God's way. You know, when people are convinced they really don't need God's instruction, God's Torah, you have what happened in the book of Acts. At the end of the book of Acts, there, there is a descriptor that says, in those days... Everybody did what was right in their own eye. And you read the book of Acts, and folks, it's frankly disgusting. The book of Acts has been called the sewer of the Bible because of what we find, the kind of actions where humanity sinks down into the dregs and they do all kinds of things. Thank you. That's why Michael is here, is to keep me straight. (laughs) So the people come together... Thank you, Michael, by the way. (laughs) The people come together, and because there are people who want to understand. By the way, men, women, children. You typically have men coming together. Here you have men, women, and children. The entire community. They desire to understand. The Hebrew word for understand appears five different times here in these verses, which tells you that that's what the focus is. Mevin, um, which is the causative. In other words, some, they cause the people to understand. 
And that word means to consider, to understand, to perceive, to be prudent, and to observe. Which means that getting it is the end of the process, but part of the process is that the people are motivated and desire to get it. And you can see that, folks. Sometimes, you know, sometimes when I have brought a message and I would see people basically uh, with this kind of a posture and I, needless to say, say to myself, Lord, have mercy. (laughs) And then other times I see people sitting up uh, eager to learn and it's not about me per se. It is about where they are and their desire. And yes, I understand that Shabbat morning is according to the demographers the worst possible time to have a worship service. (laughs) However, we operate because we believe in a God who is greater than demography and uh, demographic trends. So there's a process here at the end of which people understand. So first of all, they haul Ezra to come and read to them, share the word of God, the Torah. We don't know for sure how long um, Ezra read in terms of what portion, if it was uh, Genesis to Deuteronomy, or if it was more strictly uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And Ezra begins, folks, did you notice as it was being read to us, that Ezra begins by, by worship. Ezra begins by worship. Verse 6 of chapter 8, Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen. While lifting up their hands, they bowed low and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Why? Why worship before you have a Torah-thon, a major uh, reading and explanation of the Torah? Well, simply this, folks. When you think about it, worshiping God tenderizes and prepares your heart to hear from God. Because your focus is on God. It's not on the Broncos or lunch or, or your plans or, or your struggles, etc. It's on God. And we devote a big chunk of our service to worship in music and dance and the Torah service. By the way, the Torah service is is part of our worship. We devote a major chunk of the service to worship. Why? So that in one form or another, our expectation, our prayer, is that you would hear from God. Not just during the message, but through every part of of the service, folks. We pray that God would speak to you and that you would hear and that you would receive it and that your life would be transformed. By the way, if you're like me, worship has always been a steep, steep learning curve. I'm married to a wonderful woman who, for whom worship has come naturally from day one when she was a brand new believer. Uh, For me, worship has always been... One of these uh, to dream the impossible dreams. <laughs> so, like, okay, Lord, 
I know how to pray. I know how to read the scripture. I know to memorize the word of God. Worship is something that's kind of out there. And, um, but at some point, God got a hold of me and said that that's not okay. It's not okay. Um, not okay to be a non-worshipper. So I started to pray. For me, that's kind of the go-to position. Lord, I'm clueless. Please do something with me. Um, and I've been doing that over a number of years because that's where I want to go. And I trust that if you're here, that that's where you want to go. And that on Shabbat, you come prepared to worship God. And perhaps you look at, at, the, at the, the screen and you see all the Hebrews and you're lost in the Hebrew and, 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 and you, you're, you break your teeth over the Hebrew. Let me encourage you folks that we have a number of resource people who can help and encourage you to get it so that the entire package, entire enchilada can be part of how you worship God. But it has to be something active, not just something you kind of slide into. You, you, you can either choose to pursue it or, or just be passive about it. So part of the process for me is to stand in the back and bang on the tambourine. I stand back there because I know I will not distract people since I have no rhythm. <laughs> but the point is, you want to hear from God? Come prepared to worship the Lord. Amen. Guaranteed, as, as you endeavor and you set your face to worship God, you will be in a position to where you can really hear from God. And their worship here was clearly wild and woolly. I mean, they're raising their hands. They're falling on the ground. Uh, they're yelling, amen, amen, meaning may it be so. And by the way, if you notice, part of the, their worship has been incorporated into the synagogue service. Ezra begins by Blessing the Lord. Well, that's Baruchuat Adonai Hamvarach. Blessed be the Lord. The very beginning of, the, of our Torah service. And then there is the standing up. Standing up is a sign of respect for the Word of God. Then there is the reading, which we do. Then there is the explanation, which we'll get to in just a moment. Then, of course, there is the embrace, the embracing of the Word of God. Not looking at it passively and saying, okay, here it comes again. But embracing the Word of God, not what I'm saying, what God is saying. That's part of the process. People are eager to hear the Word of God. People schlep Ezra to come. And he stands above them. The Hebrew word is like a tower. Um, and then the Levites kick into action. By the way, that was part of their job, as we see in the Torah and in Chronicles. What did they do? Well, they stood with the people. And I believe 
there's some ambiguity, but I believe they stood with the people and, and they went from group to group expounding, explaining what the Word of God is about. Now, part of the process is that it's probably likely that in those days, most of the people spoke Aramaic, which is a sister language to Hebrew, and the Torah is given in Hebrew. And at some point, we don't know exactly when, you have something called the Targum, which is a translation from Hebrew into Aramaic, translation, paraphrase, and so on. That is apparently what's taking place here. Because the point is, not for people to hear the Word of God, but to get it, to understand it. Ezra reads it, and the Levites and the priests translate it or, or expound it. They make the meaning plain. Now, just want to park here in verse 8 for just a moment. A couple of phrases here that jumped out at me. One is, they make, made it clear. Meforash, which means things are kind of vague and things are kind of muddy and misty. You know, I, I remember as a student at UNC driving from time to time and it was like pea soup. You know, you could barely look out. And eventually the sun breaks through and, and you see what's going on. That's part of the picture of what's happening here. For the people... There's some kind of vague knowledge of what God wants them, of, of what the Torah is about. And the Levites and the priests come and they make it clear. This is what the word of God is about. Which is not about getting into your head so that you have a bunch of knowledge. But yes, getting it into your mind and heart and then applying it. Because folks, that's where, that's where the pay dirt is when we learn to take the word of God and we embrace the word of God and then we learn to apply it and then change and transformation comes about. That's the good stuff. Amen. So they make it clear and they give them the sense of what scripture is about. I like this other word here, sechel. The sense or the wisdom um, to understand, and not only to understand, but to be effective and successful in carrying it out. That's part of the plan, folks, is for you and I to hear the Word of God, whether here on Shabbat morning, Wednesday nights, other on other occasions, especially in, in our own life. To hear the word, of, to read the word of God and, and have the word of God speak to us. Have the Lord speak to us in our language so that we get it, understand it, learn to apply it and have our life changed. Now it's possible that you don't want your life changed. In which case you may close the book and go read Bhavad Gita or something. That's the Hindu scripture. Or Sherlock Holmes or something, you know. <laughs> if, you, if you have a desire to become more God-like, more like Messiah, then you read it and invite God into, you, into the process and say, Lord, would you please speak to me? And by the way, the Hebrew word for listen or hear, Shema, 
always has the expectation that you're listening with intent to follow and obey. The notion that you read the word of God and say, eh, interesting, and then move on, is really not what God has in mind, folks. It's utterly pointless. In fact, it is counterproductive because it desensitizes you to what God wants. You read it and you become hard and you say, who cares? But if you want to understand the word of God, there always has to be willingness to apply it. In fact, Scripture says to us in Romans 1 that if you know the truth and you choose to repress it, you become darker and clueless. So that means that on the other hand, if you, if you hear the truth and you make a commitment to follow and obey, then you get more light. God gives you light. Are you willing to follow? Then he'll give you more light. So that's what the Levites and the, and the priests did. They gave it to them in bite-sized pieces. And uh, people's response was, they heard the word of God and they got depressed. What a wonderful outcome. <laughs> well, you think about it, folks. If you've been out of tune with God for a while, which happens, and you read the word of God and, and you see that you are an inch away from the cliff, then the intelligent thing to do is to say, God, help me. Speak to me, show me the way. I, I want to get away from the cliff. Part of the process is repentance, which we'll see next Shabbat quite a bit of. But here, three times, Nehemiah and, and the people, the Levites say, do not mourn, do not mourn, do not mourn. This is not the day for mourning. Why? It is a day that's sacred. Kadosh unto the Lord. Why? He is, he is getting your attention and he wants you to rejoice in that process. Folks, part of security for us is knowing God's love despite the fact that we blow it. And I don't know about you, the times that I have sensed Abba's love, the Father's love more personally is after I'd done something stupid. Which, of course, doesn't happen to anybody here. <laughs> and then I sensed the Lord's presence and I repented. I was ashamed of myself and I also said, thank you, Lord, that you love me. Because without that, folks, you have an 800-pound gorilla on your back, a false guilt. And at some point, when you understand the fact that the Lord knows you junk, and He loves you, and He forgives you, and He wants to cleanse you, then you have a time of rejoicing, celebration. The joy of the Lord is our refuge. The Lord knows we need that. The psalmist puts it this way, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. 
Do you feel like you need to have your soul revived, like you are kind of wilted, dried up? We all get that way. And the Lord promises to us that he will revive us. And he will revive us as we saute our minds in the word of God and as, as we take it in and as it becomes part of our DNA. There's joy in that. That's part of what God wants to do, folks, for us individually, for us corporately. Again, there are several things that we see here that we want to pull together as we conclude. First of all, are you willing to come together? If you want to be isolated, that certainly is an option. Know that a major chunk of God's blessing will not come to you if you're isolated. If you allow yourself to be divided from, from other folks who are fellow believers. Major blessing comes as we learn to pull together that when we see the hand of God. Secondly, where are you in terms of wanting to know the word of God, the mind of God? Are you eager to hear from the Lord? God wants to communicate to you. Do you realize that? God wants to communicate to you. Every single one of us here. And we can either accept that and embrace it or say, who am I? And part of the process is learning to worship the Lord. Not because somebody tells you to, but because you have a deep, deep longing for that to happen. To worship the Lord, to be tuned in to what He has in mind, to embrace it, and then to do the part that God has for you in the building of His wall. Let's pray. And please stand. Lord God, we, we do bless your name because it's right and proper for us to acknowledge you, to give you thanks, Lord God, for who you are, what you do in our life. We pray, Lord God, that worship will expand and that it will bubble forth from deep, deep within us Lord God, that each of us will desire, Lord God, to be more of a worshiper. Give us that hunger, Lord God, for, uh, for worship of you. Amen. Give us, Lord God, a hunger for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you know us. You know our limitations, our hindrances, our distractions. You know all of that. Thank you, Lord, that you're able to work despite that. 
We pray, Lord God, that you take us as a congregation of mishpacha and move us further in that direction, Lord. People who are hungry for your word, hungry to hear from you. And we pray, Lord God, in that process that each one of us would hear your word clearly and distinctly, Lord God, and know specifically the assignment and the work and and the tasks that you have for us to do and that you give us the zeal, Lord God, for your house. We ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen.